It's Saturday, December 18th, 2021, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Anna Levine here again with your weekend story. On today's show, we're taking a look at the somewhat misleading connections between stablecoins and the world of banks. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Today's featured story is an opinion piece from Stephen Kelly, a research associate at the Yale Program on Financial Stability. Today's feature is titled, Stablecoin's Tenuous Relationship with Banks. As regulators increase their attention on stablecoins, the stage is set for traditional banks to become all the more central to stablecoins' adoption. Stablecoins have thus far served as an elegant solution for the cryptosphere. They provide a checking account-like asset, enabling traders to get in and out of positions without having to go off-chain, as they call it. Bank deposits don't live on a blockchain, for now, and are thus an ineffective payment medium for this purpose. Yet, no matter the level of financial innovation and all the cryptosphere's talk of disrupting the traditional financial system, all roads always lead back to the banking system. In Stablecoin's case, it's with their reserves and their attempts to establish a reputation. As Stablecoin's reserves come under increasing scrutiny, Stablecoin issuers have emphasized their deposits in banks. Many, such as the Pax Dollar and Binance USD, describe how their coins are backed by fiat deposits in, quote, FDIC-insured banks, end quote. Never mind that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation don't insure banks. It insures some deposits, and only up to $250,000, well below the billions of dollars worth of issued USDP and BUSD. Gemini Dollar goes as far as to suggest its holders can get pass-through FDIC insurance, that is, per-user deposit insurance up to $250, but they can't. When news broke that Circle's USD coin had strayed from its claims of being fully backed by dollars, quote, in a bank account, end quote, it quickly announced a shift back to safe assets. Moreover, these banks aren't typically household names like Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan, but rather are small banks that have taken on a crypto-friendly identity. Several stablecoins bank with Signature Bank, while the Facebook-turned-Meta's Libra-turned-Diem has partnered with Silvergate Bank ahead of its rollout. The biggest stablecoins banking relationship seem to be the most tenuous. Tether, the stablecoin industry leader, holds about 10% of its reserves in, quote, cash and bank deposits, end quote, as of its last reviewed attestation. We know little about these banking relationships, other than that they include a large deposit at a shrinking bank based in the Bahamas. We know even less about the industry's silver standard, USD coin or USDC, which says it holds 100% of its reserves in what it calls cash and cash equivalents. But that is a black box of bank deposits and, quote, highly liquid investments that mature in 90 days or less. Regardless, it's clear that these holdings are satisfactory for crypto traders' use cases. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yet despite the resemblance of stablecoins' portfolios to the assets held in the $5 trillion U.S. money market fund industry, we shouldn't necessarily expect stablecoins to perform the same when a crisis comes. Money market funds have one thing that stablecoins don't, strong banking relationships. When the Federal Reserve rescued money market funds in 2008 and 2020, it used U.S. banks and their dealers as intermediaries. As it stands, however, no one on Wall Street has really seen these larger stablecoin players. Tether holds upwards of $30 billion worth of commercial paper in its portfolio, but none of the small group of street commercial paper dealers has seen it. It's had to source these assets abroad, and it's struggled to form any meaningful domestic banking relationships. And it's not clear that these banking relationships can be quickly formed, even just for assisting in a crisis. An intermediary bank would typically have to attest that the end borrower met the Fed's terms for lending, which typically includes being solvent, being U.S. domiciled, having pledgeable and eligible collateral, and more. Even in the cases of stablecoins that do have U.S. banking relationships, it's not clear that these small banks can quickly perform these functions typically performed by big street banks. To wit, the Fed's rescue of money market funds in 2008, in its role as lender of last resort, occurred after banks already stepped in on their own. So not only do money market funds have banking relationships, but many are actually sponsored by large banks, which have been quick to intervene to support their affiliated funds. Moreover, banks could use the Fed's rescue program to support their own sponsored money market funds, which makes for a quick hurdling of an operational obstacle to a rescue. Stablecoins don't have recourse to a large bank's balance sheet or access to large bank services and on lending of Fed assistance in crisis. For as much as stablecoins market themselves as non-bank solutions, and for as much as they've pushed back on the suggestion of bank-like regulation, they still need banks. Their narrative that innovation can occur only outside of the regulated banking sector lacks explanation or historical support. It therefore stands to reason that stablecoins will likely be subsumed by banks, if not by regulation, then sooner or later, by market forces. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. This episode was edited by Adrian Blust, and you can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. We'll be back tomorrow with another featured story. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.